Well, you guys can be seated, and uh, why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke, and uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 2, uh, kind of a familiar passage for us, not, not a great shocker that we're going there, uh, but want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you, so if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming around right now, you can just get their attention, they would uh, love to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, take that one uh, with you, that is a gift from us to you, um, or you can follow along with us today on uh, the Bible app, and we are going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we are kind of continuing uh, our Advent series, and Advent is really this season of, of, of waiting and, and hoping and looking forward with eager anticipation to the celebration of our, our com the coming of our Savior Jesus as a baby, and what we've been doing is really looking at, at what that brought to us. And so we celebrate Advent over four Sundays. We have our, our Advent wreath, and, and, and thank you for bearing with us and not actually lighting these candles and, and uh, having a fire hazard. But uh, we've been already looking at uh, what his birth has brought to us and in, in the hope that we have because of that and the peace that we have because of Christ. Next week, we'll see the love uh, of God on display in that. But today, today's kind of the, uh, the pink candle there. Uh, it is, we're, we're looking at the joy that we have in in this season. I think it's actually kind of cool. Um, uh, these are not things that, that we haven't talked about before. In fact, um, we've been talking about hope and peace, and you know, we talked about joy um, a couple weeks ago when we were in our series on the power of thanksgiving. I feel like um, over the last couple of months, there's kind of been this repeated theme uh, of handling difficult circumstances, and I'm just going to trust that God knew what he was doing um, when, when he intended for us to kind of uh, wrestle with these things. I'm really thankful um, that the Bible just deals with life as it is. Um, it doesn't shy away from the fact that we're living in a real world and things aren't always the way they should be and life can be really hard. And yet in the midst of that, one of the things that we've been seeing is that uh, we don't have to live in gloom and despair. There's so much hope and there really is so much joy available to us as believers. Um, Christmas is the season for that, right? Christmas is the season of rejoicing, and, and, and rightly so, because there's so many fun things for us to really enjoy. I mean, we uh, have all of our traditions, and, and uh, we have all the, the decorations and the lights, and, and I don't know about your family, but we love to drive around at night looking at the Christmas lights. Anybody else do that? Uh, Y'all go to Bull Run. You ever been to the light festival down there? That's a lot of fun. We, we enjoy some of that and going to, the, to see Santa at the mall. And uh, well, if that's, if, if that's your thing. And of course, this is the season for Chick-fil-A peppermint milkshakes and uh, busting out the uh, holiday popcorn tins and watching your Christmas movies like The Muppets and Rudolph and Elf and Die Hard and just, just kidding. I don't recommend that one. Uh, but in, in our household, we, it, our, our favorite is, well, actually, Carissa every year watches me watch Home Alone, and I know I've seen it every year, and I die laughing every single time. It's awesome. And uh, we just have fun with those things. And, and, and you got Christmas parties and decorating cookies and, and presents, just, just lots of things that really do fill us with joy. But, but what we're looking at is a deeper sense of joy than just a temporary happiness. The reason that we're celebrating is that Jesus was born and because we know why he came and what that 
really means for us, we have real joy. And, and what I want to tell you today is that this joy really ought to be contagious. This is something like we cannot keep it in. We've just got to share it. We want to spread the news. And so if you're uh, taking notes, the big idea that we're going to see here in this really familiar passage in Luke chapter 2 is this. We love Christ and live sent because of the joy of Jesus' birth. Now, we, we, we say that phrase all the time. We end our services with that. We, we want to go love Christ and live sent because we want to be a worshiping and sending church. The vertical worship of our God propels the horizontal advancement of the mission. We recognize that God has sent us here for a reason, and the reason that we're loving Christ and living sent is because we have this joy because of what he came to do for us. And so I want to show that to you here in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, is where we're going to pick up. You can just kind of picture Linus from Charlie Brown stepping up like a prophet to, you know, recite this on stage and just uh, tell us what Christmas is really all about, right? Luke chapter 2, verse 8, follow along with me, says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, see it, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Um, We kind of go over this every year, and not something that we're unfamiliar with. And yet I kind of want to take like just a fresh look at it, make a a few observations on just that's going to remind us why this really gives us reason to have joy and and what this joy actually produces in us. And so uh, let me give you three facets of the the joy of the advent. Here's here's the first, if you're taking notes. Um, Joy comes from good news. I'm just making observations here. Joy comes from good news. And we've got this scene that that, um, we can picture it in our minds. We've seen it on Christmas cards. We I've seen it in the movies, but I want you to set the scene with me right here in, in the scripture. Look at it again. It says, verse 8, it's in the same region. What region is that? That's the region of Bethlehem, remember? Bethlehem is um, actually the, the story we saw two weeks ago. It started in Nazareth because that's where Mary and Joseph were from. But uh, as you know the story, Mary and Joseph had to travel down to Bethlehem uh, because of this registration of Caesar. And so let, let's just plot this on the map so we kind of see where we're at in Israel. You see Nazareth all the way up at the top. They had to travel from their hometown all the way down to Bethlehem, about 75 miles south of there. And Bethlehem is 
five miles south of Jerusalem. It's not far, but this area in Bethlehem is usually associated with shepherds in the biblical narrative because not only uh, this story, but also uh, this is the hometown of King David who was a shepherd boy, right? And so whenever we think of Bethlehem, we think of the shepherds. And, and, and for some reason, God wanted to announce the birth of his son first to a bunch of nobodies with this uh, blue-collar, low-income job just keeping uh, a watch of the sheep out on the fields at night. And apparently, that was God's plan all along. I think about uh, Christmas cards, and, and I'm horrible, forgive us for not sending out our Christmas cards, but many of you have already done that, and, and, and I love getting a Christmas card from a family that's just had a newborn, because that means we get the cute pictures of the baby on, it's really, really, really cool, but, but, but when you send out your Christmas cards, you make a list of all the people that you need to send it to, and when you're making your list, you prioritize your family and your friends, Right? Well, apparently on the top of God's mailing list for sending out birth announcements were a bunch of shepherds. We don't even know their names. Like, I, I can understand, like, you're, you're getting all, like, busting out the, uh, pulling out all the stops to impress kings and leaders and, 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 and people of royalty and all of that. But, but uh, God didn't save the best for the important people. Think about that. Uh, apparently he didn't think it was a waste to put on this incredible heavenly light show for, for a bunch of average Joes who could never have afforded the price of admission here. And in fact, he sent his best and literally his brightest. And these shepherds got this awesome treat of seeing a multitude of angels announcing Jesus' birth and praising God. And what I think this means for us is it just highlights the fact that this, the, the excitement of this news, the joy of this message is not just for the privileged. It's not just for the elite. It's not for the in crowd. This joy is for everybody. In fact, while they're freaking out and they, you know, they see this glorious light, the angel has to kind of assure them, verse 10, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You see, this great joy is for you. Isn't that awesome? Just encouraging to remember that. Like, you don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to be uh, really important. You don't have to be somebody really popular. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how much you make, what you have, or what you've done. This great joy can be yours. Like you can have joy. And I think the point is that, that it's possible for us to have joy even when we don't deserve it. When we've done nothing to deserve this. But what is it that gives us great joy? Well, well, he says in verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy. The good news is what gives us joy. Well, what's the good news? There it is, verse 11. Verse 11, he says, For unto you is born this day. By the way, that, that kind of echoes the language that we saw last week in Isaiah chapter 9, where he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. God is giving his son to us, even though we don't deserve it. But we need him. For unto you is born born this day in the city of David. And we know that that's Bethlehem. And, and the reason that he's calling Bethlehem the city of David is because that was David's hometown. That's where he's from. But, but, but I don't think he's just giving them some like directions uh, so that they'll know where to look. I think what he's trying to do is highlight the significance of, of this ancient prophecy that had been made. In Micah chapter five, it said that, that uh, but you, O Bethlehem, 
from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So, so scripture, years ago, hundreds of years before, had prophesied that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so he's trying to highlight this, but the fact that he calls it the city of David also, I think, hints then that, that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that had been made to David. God had made a promise to David, remember? That one of his sons... He was going to establish the throne of his son forever. And so this king, whoever it was going to be, was going to be the king forever. And the angels are just confirming that this baby is the one. He says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The one who can save you, the Messiah, has been born. Now, it's kind of debatable whether any of the shepherds like actually understood what that ultimately meant, but that is why the birth of Jesus is good news. And I, I thought about that this week and tried, tried to just look at it from a different angle just to really be able to appreciate it. I thought about um, what, what if Jesus had not come? Think about that. If, if Jesus had not come, then you and I would still be lost and dying and facing eternal judgment that we deserve because of our sin. And um, there, there, there would be no hope that, that anything could change that. You think about that. It's kind, of, it's kind of hard to have joy when you're facing a future like that. It reminded me when I was a kid and I would do something really stupid and we were out in public and then my parents would let me know I was, um, I was gonna get it when we got home, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so because you know that's coming, it's kind of hard to be excited about anything. But I think the reality is for, for, for um, to, to be able to appreciate exactly what Jesus has done for us, if he had not come, that would be the reality we were living in. It's hard to have joy when you're facing the horrible reality that you're going to experience judgment. And like, sure, you can, you can still, there are things that you can enjoy. There are things that you can uh, rejoice in. There, there, there are moments, there are things like your hobbies and, and, and success at work and, and, and vacation and, and fun and, and, and maybe your four, favorite sports team wins a championship or, or, or you get married or, or the birth of your child or, or opening presents on Christmas morning. Like there, there, there are moments uh, of joy and happiness that you can have, but you kind of realize that, that it's all really really just a distraction, a temporary distraction at best from the uh, reality that we're facing that it's not going to last. That at some point we're going to have to face the music. We're going to have to come to grips with the consequences of our sin. And in the end is death and judgment that we have coming to us. It's kind of hard to have joy in that. That's why this is such good news. Because Jesus came so that we can be saved. 
so, so, so that we can be saved from our sin, from the wrath of God, that we can be forgiven and we can experience his grace and his favor and his mercy and his love instead. The, the hopelessness of, of judgment and damnation is enough to snuff out any sense of happiness. It's kind of like a, a wet blanket of despair over even the best moments in life. But there is good news of great joy. That doesn't have to be the end. That, that even though there's, there's nothing that I can do, there's nothing that you can do to save yourself from that reality of what's coming, this baby came to do it for you. And he died on the cross in your place to save you from your sins. And he wants to give you eternal life so that now you can have the hope, you can have this assurance that you're going to live with God forever. And oh, by the way, he says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what we have looking forward to because of what Christ has accomplished. And so Joy comes from the good news of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, I, I know sometimes it's hard for us in our emotions. We kind of think, well, I can't really control my emotions. And listen, this is going to affect your emotions. Yes, your attitude is a choice. But, but, but your emotions of joy and happiness are real when you understand what Jesus has done for you. And you don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend like everything's okay when it's really not. And, 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 and there can be, I, I get it, this, your emotions are going to be affected by the brokenness of this world and the, the trials that you're going through. And yes, there is sadness, there is, there is sorrow, because not everything is, is fixed yet, yet. But you can have real joy even in the midst of real difficulty and pain. Because you've got this good news that we have a Savior who has come so that we can be put in a right relationship with God and who will one day come again and it's going to set all things right. When we uh, appreciate just the, the, the de desperation of our situation and recognize how horrible things were, it, just, it, it, it means that this announcement from the angels really is the best news the world has ever heard. I'm gonna to confess to you something, though. I talked with Phil about this a couple months ago. We put out our, you know, our preaching calendar is set. We do this, you know, like months in advance. We have a pretty good idea of where we're going. I gotta to confess to you that as we were looking towards December, I was not excited about another Christmas series. Kind of felt like, okay, we're doing this again. Like, we, like we're going over the same thing. <laughs> like, we, it's the same story every year. We're going over it again. And you know, we end up, you know, kind of preaching from some of the same texts a lot of times. It just, it just kind of like, I, I just, I, I know I'm a Scrooge, but I was just feeling it in that moment. Like, again, like, we got to do this again. But then it hit me this week, and it hit me personally, and, and I'm hoping that, that we don't miss this, that we don't uh, miss the power of this story and what it really means for us. Think about this. We needed Jesus to come. I had to think about that. Like, where, where would I be without Christ my Savior? And so if the message of Christmas just kind of feels old hat and, and, and it doesn't feel like the most exciting news to me anymore, then it means I'm totally missing just how horrible my sin was and how awesome it is that he would come and save me. That is the best news. It's pretty sweet that we get to remember that and, and meditate on that and celebrate that every year. 
And the joy of this good news changes everything. It puts everything into perspective. But I love that the angels didn't just tell the shepherds about this good news. Look at verse 12. They actually told them to go see it for themselves. I love this. He says, there will be a sign for you. You're going to find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Basically saying, just go check it out. I want you to see this for yourselves. Like, and there's going to be a visible clue so that you know who it is. Now, I can't imagine that there was a whole lot of babies being born and laid in a feeding trough for animals around Bethlehem. But at the same time, they would see it and they would know, this is the one. This is the baby. And what they found was compelling which leads us to the second facet that I want to tell you if you're taking notes. Joy compels us to live sent. Joy compels us to live sent. We're just learning from the example of the shepherds and what's going on here. So I just, I want you to kind of put yourselves in their shoes and just imagine what this moment must have been like for them. All right? you're, you're kind of just going through another slow and boring work night, doing the same thing, watching a bunch of dumb sheep out in the fields, and, and this is not all that exciting. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up, and you literally have the most frightening and awesome experience of your entire entire life, and then it's over. They're gone. And like, I wonder what that moment must have been like for them as they're just, you know, like all of a sudden you can hear the wind again and maybe some, you know, sheep bleeding, and it's just kind of like, what do we do now? Well, I, I love it, what the text actually says, verse 15. They, they say, let's go. Man, we, we, we got to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They realize that this is from God. God is the one who has revealed this to them. And so, verse 16 tells us, they went with haste. They weren't like, ah, wake me in the morning. We're, we're, we'll head out, you know, once we get up in the morning. No, they, they're, they're booking it out of there. And I don't think this was like, yeah, we're getting out of work. I think this was like, we just, we're seeking after what God has given to us, what he's told us about. They couldn't wait to see this good news in person and what did they find? They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I want to I show you a, a picture of a manger. I've, I've got this. I, I, I found this in, uh, actually, this was, in, I know, that's like the stuffed animal that I was taking pictures of for my kids around Israel. But uh, I found this manger um, in some like abandoned archaeological ruins in Hebron, actually not too far uh, from, from Bethlehem. It was like out in the middle of a field. But uh, this is an example of what a, a first century uh, manger might have looked like, uh, uh, kind of a stone feeding trough for animals. They weren't all made out of this. So it's very possible that uh, it was a manger just like this one that they would have uh, laid baby Jesus in, and not exactly uh, what we typically think of for our nativity scenes, but uh, tradition arose in the second century with uh, Josephus, the historian, that Jesus was actually born in a cave. And uh, there was a church that was built in the fourth century at the time of Constantine over the cave where it was believed that Jesus was born. And, and I've got a picture of it. Uh, here's the church today. This is actually uh, the sixth century church. The original was burned and then they rebuilt it and they built this church or basilica of the nativity uh, in Bethlehem in the West Bank. And this site has been a place of worship for just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for uh, believers in Christ. And uh, I got a chance to go uh, 
uh, inside this. I got the next picture here. Uh, this is the place, and you can kind of see in the grotto, there's a, uh, on the ground, there's a, a star there marking the spot where it is believed uh, the nativity was uh, over the cave where this building has been built uh, on top of. Now, whether that was the exact spot is unclear. But we do know that Jesus was born uh, in a place for animals because verse seven here tells us that she laid him in a manger, in that feeding trough. And the reason that she did that, it says, is because there was no place for them in the inn. Now that word inn could be translated guest room. It just means the place where, where people would have stayed. And so I, I also want to show you a, a picture of a house that we uh, saw in a shepherding community. And, and, and this was uh, just a few miles outside of Bethlehem, actually, literally on the side of the road. We were driving by and got out and, and saw kind of the ruins. And, and you can see the entrance into the house. This is the living quarters where the people would have uh, lived. But I also stepped back and took a panoramic shot because I wanted you to see, you see the entrance to the house, that's what you were just looking at, but I want you to see what's right next to it, what's connected to the house. That is a shepherd's cave where they would have kept all of the animals to help protect them from the elements. So it's very possible that the shepherds came to a cave just like this and, and crammed inside of that to see the miracle of God becoming a baby. But I think it's pretty sweet that not only do they get to see the physical evidence, like it's real, but he actually gave them the, the theological significance of what they were looking at in the manger. And so the text says, verse 17 says, when they, when they saw it, they made known the saying. So, so here's what's happening. God had sent these angelic messengers and made it known to them, so they make it known to others. God revealed to them, so they're revealing to others. And this joy, this, this, this good news is just contagious. Like, you just got to get this out. But, but look at verse 17. Look at it again. What specifically did they make known? What specifically did they make known? They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So it's not just what they saw, but it's what the angels had said about him that they wanted to tell everybody. They're not going around and just like spreading local gossip. Like, you're never gonna believe it. We saw this baby being born in a barn last night. That wasn't the thing that got them most excited. They wanted everybody to hear what they had been told about the theological significance of this baby, that he is our savior. He is Christ the Lord. This is not a secret to hide. This is good news to share with anyone. The angels had brought good news of great joy, verse 10. And that, that, that good news, that word for good news in the Greek is the word euangelizo, where we get our word evangelize. It's the gospel. It's this good news that is meant to be revealed. It is meant to be shared. And verse 18 says, uh, all who heard the shepherds, which kind of seems to indicate that they weren't keeping it to themselves. Word was getting out. They were evangelizing. They were spreading the joy of this message. Message. Got to get the word out. Now, now you and I um, have not uh, seen what they saw. We weren't there. Uh, we didn't get to witness this, but we do have the testimony of eyewitnesses, and we have the testimony of what was said concerning this child. We have the prophecies and what was said about Jesus, and what's clear to us as we read through Scripture is that Jesus fulfilled every single word of prophecy about him. Even 
his own prophecies that he made about himself, where he said he was going to die, and three days later he would rise from the dead, and he did it, proving that he is who he says he is. He is Christ the Lord, the only one who can save us. And our faith in Jesus produces a joy that compels us to live sent because we want others to know this, and we want to be obedient to him, that he has actually sent us out. You know this, John chapter 20, I've shared this with you before, I've got it for you on the screen, I want you to have this, this is the, 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 the command that Christ has given to us, this is what he said to us, he says, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Now let me tell you what that means. There are people in your sphere of influence, in your family, your extended family, in your office, your workplace, your neighborhood, people that park next to you, all, all these people that are right there. They have never had anyone explain to them who Jesus really is. Let's be clear on this. Just because they know Jesus' name or just because they've kind of grown up around church or, or they're familiar with some of the basic Bible stories does not mean that anyone has ever clearly explained to them the gospel, that Jesus came to die for their sins. And it's not about their good works that's gonna save them, but it's simply believing in Jesus and what he's done for them. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to somebody who's kind of grown up around church and they believe in God and yet they still think that it's all about them trying to be a good person in order to get in good with God and, and earn salvation and get to go to heaven. There are people that God has placed right in front of you and they don't know that only faith in Jesus and what he accomplished for us can save them. And God is not going to send angels to them and he doesn't need to because he sent you. He sent you. And, and so with the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, our Savior, compels us to live sent because we want other people to know this. And I'm so thankful for the example of some of you that have that just been faithful to this. And we're praising God. We've had a couple come to Christ over the last couple of weeks, trusting Jesus and uh, salvation because, because you were faithful to live sent right where God has you and share the gospel. Praise God. I love seeing what he's doing in and through his church as we love him and lives in. That leads us to the third facet of this joy of the advent, if you're taking notes. Joy overflows from hearts that love Christ. And just look at the responses. Look, look, look at what happens. So they're, they're getting the word out, and verse 18 says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They're, they're, they're amazed. They're in awe. Now, that doesn't mean that they all came to saving faith, but there's something incredibly special about this child. And for those of us who know him personally, I don't want to lose the wonder of Christmas as we look at this baby in the nativity scene. In Mary's response, verse 19, she uh, treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. These were, these were precious memories for her, and pondering has the idea of, of meditating on it and thinking about it, maybe even talking about it, just trying to, trying to make sense of all this, but she's doing this in the heart. This is touching her deeply. And it's also impacting the shepherds. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. These shepherds are changed men. And, and now what's crazy is they're responding and doing exactly what the angels had just done. They're praising God. Why? I love how the verse 20 ends. It's because everything that they heard and saw was just as it had been told them. 
what God said they were going to find is exactly what they found. So their joy just overflowed in worship. Now, I don't want to be trite, um, because I feel like we get this reminder every year, but we really do get so wrapped up in the crazy schedules and the shopping lists and just the busyness of everything that's happened. There's so much that we like pack into just a couple of weeks leading up to it. And, I, and, and we do this every year. So I do think it's possible for us just to kind of go through the motions and, and miss what it's all about. Important for us to just take moments to step back in a season of Advent, waiting for it, looking forward to it and considering what, what this really means for us. The shepherds found everything just as it had been told to them. And we have the same assurance as the shepherds that everything that has been told to us will happen just as he said. Jesus has saved us and he has promised us that he is coming again. And so we love Christ and our hearts are just overflowing with joy and praise and worship. So so it's, it's not just the traditions and the lights and the decorations and, and, and the festivities that get us into the holiday spirit. It's the meaning and the message of Christmas, this good news of great joy that makes our hearts want to sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Lord, we do praise you. We thank you so much that you would come. And just considering, even just for a moment, what, what life would be like without you is kind of a horrible reality. Maybe, maybe some of us, like myself, um, it, it's been so long since we trusted you first for salvation where we came to understand that. And so sometimes we forget what life was like before Christ. Lord, there's just no joy. There's no happiness. Nothing that's gonna last. But because of this promise, because you came, And not just because you came, but because of what you came to do, what you accomplished for us by coming to die for us, and that you conquered sin and death. Because of that, Lord, we rejoice. I pray as as we're gearing up, and there's just so much going on over the next uh, two weeks as we look forward to Christmas Day, pray, Lord, that you'd really help us to just slow down a little bit and take some moments to just appreciate what this really means so that we don't miss the message of it. That we'd really just be thankful people. And no matter what it is that we're facing, we can go through really difficult times, and you know that, you understand that. You encourage us to cast our burdens on you. You care about those things. But even in the midst of that, we can still have real joy because of Christ. And so we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.